0: Hey, my name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're here today. It's Palm Sunday, and uh, for our second of at the end of a Sunday, which feels like 432 services, I am blessed to to call this place my my church home, but I'm also blessed that Scott Blanchard is my pastor. You guys feel that too? Oh my goodness. I get, I get to step in today, and, you know, he preaches 12 to 15 times a month, oh, and that is so much talking. That brother does in one Sunday what I, most men don't don't say that many words in a whole week, you know? Good. How you doing? I'm fine. You know, that's usually about as far and as deep as we get, and this guy puts his heart out every Sunday. You mean so much to me, brother. I love you so very much. Um... I wanted to ask you a question, rhetorical at first at least. why Why do you think prayer exists? I'm very curious about this because it's this thing that we're just supposed to all know how to do. In fact, for some of you, when you decided you were going to give your life to Jesus, there was a pastor up front who asked some wild questions like, If you were to die today, are you absolutely sure that you would die and go to heaven? And some of you, you started your faith like that, which is a terrifying question, right? Absolutely terrible. If you were to, why are we talking about death right now? Because you know, we're Baptists, so that just happens. At least that's how I felt growing up. Like Catholic was like, don't cover it, suppress the emotions. That's my wife and how she grew up. And Baptists are like, you know, you're guilty and going to hell, right? And it's like, oh my gosh. Same Jesus and all the same questions. But everybody kind of talks about prayer like it's this thing that you're just naturally supposed to know how to do and and how do you do it? Why do you do it? And we're gonna cover that today. This is not gonna be like one of those sermons where you walk out and say like, oh my goodness, I just covered so much ground today. I'm hoping today that you will gain a sense of freedom and that we will take the pressure off prayer so you can get right to Jesus when you, when you want to be close to him. Wouldn't it just be great if we could lower some things because I believe that God has done enough to make sure he's in the room with us right now. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We want more of you, and I want to be closer to you. Would you help me to communicate this to your people? Amen. I don't know what prayer was like growing up for you, if there was prayer in your life when we were growing up. So if you're new to the faith, I thought I would open up this morning with giving you some uh, pro tips, okay, some good strats of of how to pray well. If you are ever in the circumstantial situation where you are doing this thing that we did pre-COVID, it was called holding hands, and people they were nuts, would want you to get in a circle and pray together, and someone wanted to touch you on your hands, gross, while doing it. No wonder we had a pandemic, and it was so, like I, my hands are getting sweaty just thinking about it, like I'm so uncomfortable, but there are like this weird, I don't know if it's sociological or psychological things that would happen while you were praying, like every time you prayed in a circle, all right, you say amen if this happened to you, at the end of the prayer, we all just kind of gave a little less squeeze before we let go. Anybody do that? Just like this little, and amen. And then you could kind of part away. Or if you're in a prayer circle, and it's just super awkward because you realize that you're going to say things out loud for other people to hear, but it's for God. And then somebody, you finally think of the thing that, I know know what I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray for the missionaries. I'm going to pray for the missionaries. And then somebody else in that circle totally steals your prayer request. Like, (laughs) Oh, I was going to pray for the missionaries. Ah, oh, snap. Pro tip, you know how you do that? Lord? I just want to echo what she said. Yeah, and then you can say the same thing over again. You don't have to think of anything. Copy and paste, just like some of you did freshman year of college. <laughs> Strats, pro tips. Now you're an expert public prayer. You can just do that. Or if you know, you're know you getting ready to preach and you forgot what you're supposed to say, you just repeat the last thing that you said so you can get back to your notes. Again, if you forget what you just said, you just repeat the last thing that you said until you get back to your notes. <laughs> and you can get right back into it. Or you just repeat the last line. He is who he says I is. And then you mess up the vocabulary of it. Man, have you ever just wondered what you're supposed to do when you pray? And, and, and why do you do it? And when Jesus was full-blown into his ministry, giving one of the most powerful sermons that has ever been preached, We call it the Sermon at the Mount. In some versions of the gospel, some readers say that the disciples actually interrupted Jesus, at least that's how I read it because I have children, interrupted Jesus and said, hey, how do you pray? But in Matthew chapter six, which is what I'm going to be basing today off of, there's going to be a section of scripture in here where Jesus is teaching us how to pray where if we're not careful, it's something that many of us have heard so many times that you can just kind of go into autopilot. And I want to... I want to help us to not do that today because there's something so special and so holy, so holy in this new attitude of prayer that I hope some of you can be set free with today. So they ask this question, but in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus starts off and he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, Jesus throwing shade, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. That reward was attention. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we'll we'll pause there. Everything that Jesus just did in that prayer, I didn't hear a single prayer request. And please be with Susan as she looks for a job. Now there's nothing wrong with prayer requests. I'm just noting that that's not in there. There's, this, uh, there's, there's something really key that's happening in there. He is calling God Father constantly. This was totally unheard of. There was no relationship there with God. There was... You want God to not zap you. you. You kill some doves. You sacrifice something, which is why we don't have a goat farm here is we don't find this necessary anymore. We believe that Jesus was the last sacrifice. And that's it. But he's using the term father, this moment of affection, this relationship. Now, if you're like me, you might have a difficult past or a hang up with the word father. Maybe your dad really let you down. My background is, well, it's shaky when it comes to that. I had a biological father who missed out on the opportunity to have a fantastic son. And then two weeks ago, I buried my adopted father. And boy, was it painful and difficult and very sweet. And as good as he was, in fact, uh, Gibson, which is my last name, was not the last name I was born with. I believed that a man named Jack Gibson earned the right to be called my dad. And I put it on paper. When I turned 18, I asked him to adopt me. I loved Jack. He meant the world to me and he changed my life, but let me tell you something about him. He is nothing, and he would agree to this if he could talk right now. Dark humor is getting me through. (laughs) He is nothing compared to my heavenly father. Now, when I say heavenly father, I don't mean like some of us, we pray, and you're wondering why do your prayer requests go up, and they hit the ceiling and fly back down, and I would say stop praying to God like he's on the second floor. He's in the room with you. He's with us right now. But your God is not the perfect version of your earthly father. It's tough for us because that's the best reference that we've got, right? Is the dad that you were or were not raised by. And it's complicated. And maybe your dad was really sweet and he was with you and he was a strong leader and he never let you down. He was human, so I'm assuming that that's not totally true. Your God is not the guy who got it right. He is the author and perfecter of all life and he loves you. And then Jesus starts praying, like, you can just talk to him. Like, you don't have to go into a special temple. Like, you don't have to do a bunch of sacrifices first. But I want to ask you a couple of questions to kind of reshape. And I think that they're revealing questions. When do you pray? Where do you pray? And why do you pray? When do you pray? Where do you pray? And why do you pray? When you finally do pray, why? What's that thing, that ultimate purpose that drives you to do it? 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, this is written by Paul. Paul, who, by the way, when he was closest to God, if you know Paul's story, is he was actually somebody who was tracking down Christians and murdering them because he believed that they were ruining a perfect religion. And then he meets Jesus. Paul would never be closer to Jesus than when he was wounded by Jesus. Paul was blinded. When he first met Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the closest Paul would ever be to Jesus until he died was when he was being hurt. But some of us we pray just so God will keep the hurt away. Sometimes when God gets close, it hurts because things need to change. Side point. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I grew up, pray continually, read, pray without ceasing. That sounds impossible, to pray without ceasing. I can't do anything without ceasing. I have ADD, I'm ceasing all the things that I'm starting all over again. It's a hot mess up here, okay? How am I supposed to pray without ceasing? It sounds like pray to be set up to fail. Like what does that possibly mean? Well, okay, so fine. So fine, okay, pray without ceasing. What does that possibly mean? Again, I want to reshape what prayer is. Maybe prayer is not the box that you cut out, like when you're sitting at the dinner table. Hey, everybody, let's give thanks so we pray before we, you know, before we uh, eat. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. You better get those in the right order or else you're gonna, it's gonna go right to your hips, sister, okay? Thank you so much for this food. And then you say, amen, as in, and God, you are done here. Please pass the salt, okay? Maybe prayer is a little differently than that, that that kind of thing is okay too. I think it's good to have a moment of reflection and gratitude, but why are we doing it? Uh, Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He clearly wants to hear it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here is a prayer that Paul tells us what to do here, and he tells you what the answer to that prayer will be ahead of time. Peace that transcends all understanding. I've heard a lot of folks, and I've I've said this as well, like, I wonder what God's answer will be. I hope he answers yes to a prayer request. But Paul tells us that the answer isn't always yes or no, but it's peace, and it's peace that's found in Jesus. See, you can bring your requests, but it isn't about the answer that we'll receive as a result. Look at all the relationship that keeps on happening. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that sounds like to me? When you pray, you will learn how to trust. Trust is a game changer in any relationship. You already know this. Trust is this thing that ultimately, if you fell in love with somebody, trust was the foundation of it. And once trust is broken, it's never the same, is it? Even if there's forgiveness, if there's two people coming to it, or everybody who was impacted by it, those scars will always be there. Even if it's healed, there's a scar there. With our God, he has never let us down. He has always been worthy about trust. Even if your life is falling apart, he never is. That's why it transcends understanding, because you literally let it leave the realm of you needing to get it when you put it in his hands and say, I trust you, I trust you. I believe that that is the cornerstone of not just any relationship, but if you really wanna be close to somebody, all the barriers come down when you feel complete acceptance, when you fully accept them and you just say, I don't need to know, I just need to know you. I forgo my right to the details in order to have intimacy. You trust. And he's the only one worthy of it. There's so many broken hearts in this room right now where you've experienced a brokenness before. I can tell you that there is one relationship that is not codependent, but fully invites you into it. And the avenue is first his son Christ opening of the door and the next is prayer. Now, for some people, they've come to me before and they've said, you know, man, worship's my thing. Like, I love worship. And I'm like, cool, I'm a, it's not for you, right? And I'm like, no, 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 no. But me, that's just how I connect with God. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then there are other people who are like, I'm a prayer warrior, you know? And I'm like, awesome, cool. Let me give you a list of things to pray about, I guess. Uh, and then they're like, just so into it. And I'm just saying, I'm looking at an army right now, ready to be a prayer warrior, and you don't need a thousand things to say. In fact, Christ kind of pushes against that. Maybe our prayers need to be short. Maybe... Maybe the things that shift for you, remember those questions earlier? When do you pray? Where do you pray? Why do you pray? Let me put it to you this way. If I asked you a similar question about someone that you are in love with, but I said, instead of pray, when do you kiss them? Why do you kiss them? Where do you kiss them? As far as, you know, like real estate location. Okay, like, like why? heard this section laughing too hard. Okay, pray for them, okay? All right, we're talking about married folk here. Why, why do you kiss somebody? Now, if I only kiss my wife when I want something from her, that doesn't seem healthy, does it? Here's the answer. You ever been just nuts about someone, just absolutely crazy about somebody, just like head over your heels stupid about somebody? Where do you kiss them? what do you only just do it once a day no you kiss them because wow, they're willing to put my face on my face. This is awesome, right? Like you are just ready. Like you just want to be close all the time. No, I love you. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know that junk, all right? Like you are so nuts about it. You are just like, when do I kiss them? All the time in the bookstore, the gas station, the drive-thru, Wendy's in a box with a fox, always. I'm always kissing because sweet mama, look at this kid! man i can't wait to the noon service my wife is here so many points i want to score (laughs) y'all helping a brother out thank you (gasps) like man now you just do it because you're in love now if the only time that i ever go and i ever kiss my wife is just when i want to get something from her i'm treating her like an object not like my best friend, not like a person that I want to do my life with, not who I want to raise my kids with. I'm just maintaining a marriage. Those would be junky vows, wouldn't they? But sometimes I think that you and I treat God like that. I'm going to talk to him when I need something from him or I need him to not do something. Like you're about to get caught or you're terrified you're about to get caught. So you pray, oh dear God, if she's not pregnant, I swear, I swear we'll never, we'll never mess up again. Oh, dear God, I, I swear, if you can just make that cop not be chasing me, but the person next to me, because they were, they were also going fast. Well, then all we're treating God like is an economic exchange where we're trying to figure out God's economy. If I pray this way and behave that way, and I make sure that I always ask for forgiveness for all my sins before I ask for anything. You know, I, I get that. As long as I say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and I just, I check all the boxes, and I just nail it, then all of a sudden, things are gonna start coming up bases, and God's gonna start saying yes to your prayers. Then you will have merely a transactional relationship when we start treating God like retail The biggest issue with me referring to praying to God in a relationship is that all earthly relationships will fall short. They're all cheap. No matter how precious they are to us, they're all cheap compared to him. Yet, he creates the stars with his breath, but we still compare him to mom or dad, friends, mentors, pastors, we use these imperfect comparisons as a reference point. I, it's tricky, you know, as a worship leader, like there are so many songs where everybody wants to sing about a mountain and valleys, and I'm like, man, how many mountains and valleys have you have been up and down? Like, how am I supposed to? I'm in Michigan, all right, flat and lakes, okay? That's what I got, okay? But if I start saying like, God, you're more superior than superior, junk song, right? And like, but it still is cheap. Compare anything that you want. Compare the stars, to the artist that created them, still cheap. So it's hard when I say, how do you have a relationship with someone like this? Here's what we have to understand if you're gonna approach prayer to the way that I'm suggesting soon. Write this down if you're taking notes. There is no one and nothing like our God. There is no reference point for you to obtain. There is only a God who is holy and worthy of obedience and worthy of trust. My family has been so blessed by Lake Point, especially during this season. This has been a church of healing for our family in so many ways. And a few weeks ago, I, I did uh, lose my adopted father. And it was a long, tough fight. And I, I tell you, to be surrounded with the saints of this church, it's so cool. Like, one of the things I really love about Lake Point is like we really do have a broad spectrum of ages here. We have uh, very young and, and those other ages on the other tip of the scale. Uh, I I love that, Uh, and part of it is because, you know, when we did a six-hour viewing, there was a ton of Lake Point people who showed up. So many of you have lost spouses and have lost your parents that you knew that none of us needed a speech, we just needed your presence. And there were so many sweet people from Lake Point who just showed up and they were just in the room. And at the funeral, there were just people who showed up and they just sat in the room and they required nothing from me and my family because they were just here. So that's a word called fellowship. Sometimes we take fellowship as what's happening in crock pots, and then we squeeze hands and pray in a circle, and then we go home or we hear a speaker. That fellowship was just, we're going to be here for you and together. And if I would have stood up and said I needed anything, there would have been 12 people who already had started preheating the oven to bake things for my home, and they were ready to go. This church loved us. I would call that holy fellowship, It was so sweet and very powerful because people knew what we were going through. If you did come to my funeral, though, uh, my dad's funeral, you saw something wild, and you saw my very sweet and very precious cousin, whom I adore, who's an opera singer and looks like an opera singer, walk in wearing a kilt. Now... (laughs) (laughs) like we don't have like a super deep uh, like Irish or Scottish like <laughs> background like it's not a thing like there's no bagpipes at Christmas but in comes Donald just like this is totally normal okay <laughs> Don if you're watching I adore you but what happened <laughs> like, <laughs> now, like, like this is all like super heavy and I'm trying to like process things and you know, I'm going to give the eulogy, my, t- like, very sad stuff happening. And then just comes in my cousin, like, we do this. And I'm like, no, we don't. So, and I kind of, like, I kind of, like, look to camera. There is no camera, but I'm a huge fan of a show called The Office. And whenever anything crazy happened in The Office, the, one of the main characters, Jim, would just kind of look at camera with this look right there. Jim just, <laughs> now, that look on his face, I gave that look, too. But to God, okay? You can take his picture down. Jim's way too good looking, okay? So that was it. Now, here's what's crazy that look to an invisible God was my prayer. Okay, I know. You probably have never heard that from a pulpit before, that giving God a funny look. Here's the thing God does not need context, He's there. He does not need me to explain the situation. Okay, Creator of all things and knowledge of all things, holy, let me to explain to you why this is crazy. Like he did not, he did not need that. He's following the plot. He has never left my side. He has never left your side. He is with you always. He likes you. I believe that with my whole heart. He genuinely likes you, every single one of you, and a lot of us have quite the situation. Here's why I believe that God likes you, because I know that God likes himself. Genesis chapter 1, 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. I believe God likes himself. I believe God put a little bit of you, a little bit of him in you. I believe that he made you that way. I'm not saying that you know, we don't all have things that are messed up. I'm not saying that, but I genuinely believe that. Here's what else I believe. If you were to take the image of God and truly understand it, which none of us can, and I believe that this applied to every single person who has ever lived for all human history, and then that same principle would be applied to every human being who would ever live into the future until the end of mankind, you still would not even take in all the best pieces of every person who ever lived, you would still fall short of just how significant, wonderful, holy, powerful, and full our God is. But nonetheless, for some reason, he loves you, and he loves me. And when I looked like that, because of my kilted cousin, my God was with me, and I had never said amen at the end of it. The problem with amen, I will just say, is that sometimes we pray our prayer, we say amen, and now we go back to being normal. And I'm just saying, what if we don't excuse God out of the room at amen? He didn't even know context, he knew. There was no dear God, Father God, he knew who I was talking to, and he didn't need an amen to see his way out because I've invited him into my heart and my heart's not shutting off, and I want him in every nook and cranny of my life. I want God in all the weird parts of my personality. I want God sitting next to me when I'm watching movies. I want God always in every part of my relationship. Why do I pray? Well, because I'm breathing, that's why. When do I pray? Yes. Yes is the answer. That's why it's praying without ceasing or not stopping is because I want this to be a relationship that's always moving, always active, and I don't have to feel uncomfortable because all of a sudden I'm talking to God and maybe he'll find out all the stuff that I've been up to. Now, I'm not afraid of God finding my internet search history because he was there when I was typing in www.bigmistake.com. Like, this is, this is him. He's always there. I don't need to take care of the sin first. He's taking care of it. I want him in my heart, in total control. So a prayer is not a conversation. A prayer, A prayer is just honestly opening myself up to a relationship. Today is something that we would call Uh, Palm Sunday, starting off and going into Passion Week, leading to Easter. Palm Sunday is usually a story about the triumphal entry. You see, we have this, we do, we have God in an economy. If I act, live, pray a certain way, God will do X, Y, and Z. Can I just suggest to you never to put God in your debt? He does not owe you anything based on your behavior. It is his world, his party, his choice, his grace, his sacrifice, his resurrection, you just either give it up or you don't. You open up your heart. I want you in every part of it. Your prayer life will reflect so, so much of that. At the triumphal entry, people said all the right things. Hosanna, Lord save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They use the word doxa. You've heard this like doxology blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed is the king, blessed is the king of Israel. People, man, we love kings, don't we? we're still that way. We're still looking for some dude to come and make things right. There's only one God who will ever rescue you in total. Only one king who is worthy of it. But what's wild is as soon as he gets celebrated because they thought, you know, when they're yelling out, Hosanna, Lord save us, you know what they're praying and saying to him? Fix it. He's going to fix this. He brought Lazarus back from the dead. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. And the closer that Jesus got to where he was going, which was to the temple, which is right around when he starts tossing tables, If you, I dare you to read the gospel and find this out and see the complicated life of how it can really mess with your Cheerios when you think it's all warm and fuzzies and Jesus is like, but I'm tipping all this over and reformatting it. The closer that they got to Jesus and saw what his will was and that it wasn't about fixing their lives, the angrier... The crowd got. Have you ever been angry at God because somebody wasn't supposed to die? A job wasn't supposed to be lost. A relationship was not supposed to be ruined. God, I thought I was following you. How could you let this happen? That is exactly what humanity did when they were right next to Jesus, where there was no invisible Jesus. He was right there. People were saying, fix it. And Jesus said, I am your total answer the way the truth the life me fixing you and fixing your problems i may or i may not the closer you get to jesus the less you'll realize the more you'll realize that it's less about things being fixed for you and it's more about the one who's hearing your prayers one of my favorite movies. As far as dialogue goes, it was this movie called Patch Adams that came out forever ago. It's Robin Williams. It's Robin Williams really figuring out his sweet spot in acting. And they were challenging him as a doctor and challenging his, his approach to, to, to medicine. And it's one of the best lines in the movies. And he says, you treat a disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you, you'll, min, you'll, you'll win no matter what the outcome. He's talking about, you take care of people, you have relationships with people. In the same way, if you pray wanting God to fix the problems, you win, you lose. You pray because you know he's there, you win every time. He's enough, he's enough. Choose, if you're taking notes, choose his presence over his benefits. Choose his presence. Him being near you, it's enough. And at the end of the day, it's not about whether or not he answers you, yes or no, it's about him. And it's all about him. And when your prayer request goes something short, dear God, what is your prayer request for today? Help me to see it. What if if prayer wasn't about what you had to say, but it's about preparing your heart to listen? Everything changes, my friend. Because all of a sudden he goes from another religious activity to just talking to the very, very best friend you could ever have, who is so holy that no one could even see his face and live. Yet he knows your name. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. and You've got his image and he wants it all you know the fact that god wants all my awkwardness my stupid jokes because he loves me uh maybe there's things like i if i was to ask you what do you think god thinks of you i think a lot of people would say you know he loves me but and then you would fill in what goes after the but i think he's disappointed i think he knows he could do more man he just wants you following Jesus is not about behavior modification it's about grace and restoration so fall into him trust him if there's sin he'll work on it it'll get uncomfortable but you're worth it according to him at least when he talks about when he talks about heaven the book of uh, Colossians chapter 1 don't put it on screen He literally talks about how his inheritance is in the saints. That means our God, literally, when he talks about his inheritance, is talking about how he's longing for you. Why? Let me just say that the creator of all things does not look at you and say like, I guess I'll deal with that for eternity. No, when he looks at you, he sees the blood of his son covered you. If, and here's the only caveat as far as the relationship goes, he wants you, he wants to be close to you, you are incapable of getting there yourself. It's all about whether or not you recognize right now, I am not perfect. He is. We use the term sin. It's an archery term, anything outside of a bullseye. Except with our God, he's so holy that literally there are people who tried to walk into his presence with sin in their heart and they would die instantly. But because of his son, Jesus Christ, your first prayer does not have to be full of words. We give you words because we think it helps. But today I can just say, do you want to say, God, I give up, you are king, take over. And let that not be your last prayer. Invite Him into every corner of your life, fully open. God watches Netflix with me. I think it's cool because sometimes like, I'll be watching like like a ridiculously fun movie and I'll just be having a blast and I'll have a moment. And I, I don't know if this is from him or just my ADD. It's a whole situation in here. Uh, where I'll, I'm like literally thinking about how God was there the day that it was filmed. And he knew that Tom was eventually gonna be watching this. And I have like so much joy in my heart thinking about that totally random nerdy fact, okay? He did say let there be light and a lot of information went out all at once. I, that's borderline ADD to me. Like <laughs> that's so much happened so much that it looks like chaos, but it's beautiful. And I don't think that I'm annoying God with the details. Why? Well, he's responsible for this situation. He's responsible for yours too. And he loves you. And he's asking you right now, kid, can we make it more about talking? Can we be together? I have something for you and it's me do you want it do you just want my answers do you just want to kiss me to see where things lead or do you want to know me may you have a full and rich prayer life let's pray together dear God what is your prayer request today help me to see